Amen. In Luke chapter 5, if you remember, uh, the last time we did uh, Luke uh, in, uh, in chapter 4, pretty much everything we saw was about Jesus' authority. He was, he was speaking, he said, as one who had authority. Uh, and it was amazing, everybody that heard him. He, remember, he said, he, in Nazareth, he went to the synagogue and he basically told them, hey, I'm here. Uh, I'm the one that's here to set the captive free. I'm the one that's here to, uh, uh, to uh, heal the blinded eyes and to, and to bring in this new era of salvation. And of course, you remember what happened to them. He, they uh, got all mad and tried to kill him. Uh, and then we, we saw that uh, he has the authority. Not only does he have authority and power, he has it over the spiritual world. As we saw him cast out this demon and everybody was amazed in Luke chapter 4. But he also has it over the physical world as he goes to Peter's mother-in-law and he heals her. He rebukes the fever, it says. And by his word, the demon has to flee. And by his word, the fever has to flee. And so he has authority over both the spiritual world and the physical world. He has all power and authority. He's truly the Messiah that has come. And what we'll see here today is uh, as Luke moves into this next section in chapter five, this is the one that we're all familiar with about the, the, the miracle where the, the fishermen catch the fish after they've been toiling all night. Uh, what you're going to see is that Christ is going to call his followers, not just to accept the fact that he has authority. Uh, if you remember the last time we looked, uh, the demons accepted that because when Jesus said move, they had to move. There wasn't no back talk. There wasn't any if, ands, or buts. There wasn't any, well, I'm going to do as much damage as I possibly can before I have to leave. When Jesus says, be quiet and come out of him, the spirits had to come out. They had to move and they had to do it exactly and immediately as Christ said. So he has authority and even the demons recognize his authority. The fever recognized his authority, if you could say it that way way. They all understood he has authority. And so he's teaching as one as ha, as ha, that has authority. He's doing the miracles of one that has authority. He's demonstrating that he truly is the Messiah. And when he comes today, he's going to call Peter and James and John, not just to recognize that authority, but to give their lives to it, to follow after that authority, to become disciples. And so today what I want to show you what I think the text is showing us today is that Christ has, this is a very easy lesson, you ready? Christ has authority over every area of your life. Now, that's, like, that's almost like a big duh. Like, well, duh, you know, we already know that. That's not really, a, that's not really a, a, a novel thing that you're showing. It's not really a big revelation to me today to understand that Christ has authority over our life. But if you think about it, uh, a lot of us, we, we, we tend to... We tend to, we call it compartmentalize our lives. We tend to have different spheres of our life. Like uh, I, we went to youth camp this week and uh, Dana packs my luggage and I unpack it. And I don't unpack it as neatly as she packs it. But she'll have, I mean, she's like very organized. She's like one of them people and I'm throwing the socks in the corner kind of guy. And so she packs my stuff. She packs it in in different compartments, different little sections, like here's the bathroom section in your suitcase. Like she has the suitcase parted out, like the bathroom section with the shampoo and the soap and the rags. And this is the underwear section. And this is the sock section. And this is where, you know, the good clothes where you need to wear, you know, and then, then you got your shorts that you, and it's all sectioned out. Everything is in its perfect place. It's all uh, neat and tidy. And that's how we tend to to think of our lives. You have you know, you have the, the religious section, you have the Jesus spiritual section of your life. 
And then you have, you know, just the section that, that you go, it's the work section. It's what you do at the job. It's, you know, part of your life. You spend most of your time at your job, eight hours a day or 10 hours a day or however long you work. And then you got the buddy section, you know, where you go hang out with your buddies or do whatever you do, your hobbies or stuff like that. And then you got the family section, you know, you're the family section. And what, what we tend to think is that, you know, Christ is in is in the religious section. He's in the spiritual section. He's, he's a part of my life. And when we say, make Christ your Lord, when we say, follow harder after Christ, we say, seek after Christ, what people tend to think, I've found, is that what that means is to make the spiritual section of my life bigger. Make it bigger where that's the most important section, but I still have these other sections that are, that are, that I live. You know, I still have work and I still have my buds and I still have my, my hobbies and my family and I still have these other things that I, that I do, but G, the Jesus section is the biggest. That is not what discipleship is, not what following Christ is. Following Christ means that He is Lord and King over all your sections. He's Lord and King over your spiritual section, which, you know, means church, ministry, church, service, serving the body, being in fellowship with the believers, studying scripture, hearing from God, praying, doing all those things. He is the Lord over that. And that is definitely the most important thing that you have going in your life. But he's also Lord over your work. He's also Lord over your job. He's also Lord over your marriage. He's also Lord over your family, over your hobbies. He is Lord of all in every area of your life. There's no part of your area where you can kind of relax and say, whoo, well, I'm at the job today. I don't have to worry about following Jesus. No, you got to follow Jesus at your job. You got to follow Jesus in your family. You got to follow Jesus in your marriage. You have to follow Jesus in every aspect of your life. And if there's an aspect of your life where you are not following Christ, obeying Christ, listening for Christ's voice, then you need to, you need to bring that area under submission. You need to examine yourself within of the faith, but you also need to bring that area under submission and discipleship to Christ. Now he is Lord. You've heard it said many times. He's Lord over all or he's not Lord at all, right? You've heard that many times. We tend to think, you know, I got the religious thing going. Sunday morning is my religious time. Sunday morning is my spiritual time. Monday morning is back to work. And now my mind's focused on work. It's focused on nothing wrong with focusing on work. But we understand that Jesus is our Lord, even when we're in the workplace, even when if you're working at the body shop, I used to work at a body shop. If you're working at the body shop, Jesus is Lord there as well. He commands us to be his disciples, his ambassadors there, just as you are here. There's no different kind of Jason uh, on Monday or Tuesday than there should be on Sunday when we come into the Lord's house and we come to fellowship with him. We come to fellowship with each other. We come to learn more about him. We come to hear from him. We come to be changed by him. There's no difference. He's Lord of every aspect of your life. It's like I thought about doing this, but I, I was scared to. I thought about taking four cups of water and taking, you know, have a pitcher of water and have four cups out here and pouring water in each one and say, this is my spiritual cup. This is my work cup, my whatever. And the reality is what we do is if we want more of Christ, if we want to follow harder after Jesus, if we want to uh, press in closer to God and, and, and just, you know, learn more about him, uh, be more in relationship with him, submit more to him, repent and trust in him more today than I did yesterday, what we tend to think is we just tend to need to fill up this cup a little more, fill up this religious cup a little more and leave all these other cups the same. That's not how it works. 
That's not how it works. It's your life is a complete whole in every area is submitted to Christ if you are a disciple of Christ. We'll, we'll see that a little more as we look. He has authority. He's shown us he has authority over spiritual and physical world. He is a king overall. But I want you to see that it's easy to see that way out there somewhere. Yes, Jesus has all power and authority. He is king of kings, lord of lords. He's over it all. But it's different to say that he is lord over every area of my life. I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm not saying you, you submitted perfectly, but you need to understand there are areas of your life where you are. So you are. He is king of kings over every area of your life, whether you submit to him in that area or not, whether you obey him in your family or your marriage or not. He is. He has command. He is king of kings over that marriage or over that family, whether you obey him at your job or not. He is king of kings and Lord of lords over your job, whether you like it or not, whether you submit to it or not. The un- understanding here comes to us as we see he's going to be teaching uh, in, in verse one. Let me just read and we'll, we'll see where it goes. It says, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee. Same thing. And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and they were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now he is teaching, he's preaching the word of God. It doesn't tell us exactly what he's saying, but it does say that he is preaching the word of God and the people are pressing in because they want to hear the word of God. Remember, we, we talked about what he was uh, preaching in the synagogues. It doesn't say exactly what the topic of his message was, but I get a pretty good idea that he's preaching the same thing here that he was in the, in the last two chapters. He's telling them, hey, the kingdom has come. I'm the Messiah. I'm here to, uh, to make the lame walk. I'm here to release the captives. I'm here to heal the blind eyes. I'm, I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I'm here to bring this new era of salvation. And there's two people or three or four people probably that are in the crowd that are listening to him. And often we separate those two and it's Peter and Andrew and James and John. And they are the fishermen that own these two boats and they are washing their nets as Jesus is preaching. They're listening. They're listening to him as he's preaching. Now, if you don't know anything about cast net and what they would do is they would go out into the Sea of Galilee or, or wherever. I used to do this from a pier in the, in the Gulf of Mexico. And they would have, I don't know how they did it, but I'll tell you how I did it. There's a big net. I mean, it might have been up to 50 feet around uh, or even 100 feet around. They make them that big. And you'd put one end in your mouth and you grab two ends. It has weights all the way around it. And you throw this thing out and it spreads out in the water. And it hits the water and those weights sink down and they, they come up under when you pull the rope. And anything caught in that net is caught, you know. And so that's how they would catch fish. And at the end of the day, at the end of the night when you were fishing, you had to mend those nets. You had to clean those nets. You had to hang those nets up to dry for the next night. And that's what's going on. They've been fishing all night. We're going to see that in a minute. And Jesus is teaching. Jesus is preaching. He's giving them the word of God. And these fishermen, you can imagine it in your mind, they're cleaning their nets. They're tired. They've been up all night. They're, they're getting ready to go home, probably to go to bed. And they're, they're listening to Jesus preach this word, preach these things. Now, what you need to understand before we go any further in the story is that this is not the first time that Peter has encountered Jesus. 
This is sometimes, it's easy for us, even as I'm reading it, to think, well, well, Peter don't know Jesus yet, and he's just listening to this carpenter from Galilee who, who's saying that he's the Messiah. This is not the first account of Jesus coming into contact with Peter. If uh, You don't have to turn there, but if you want to write it down, in John chapter 1, verse 40, this is the first contact. It says, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first find his own brother Simon and said unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. He brought Peter to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, thou art Simon, son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. There was a time, probably around a year earlier, that Jesus actually met Peter. That Peter actually came face to face and he knew he was the Messiah. His brother Andrew came and found him and said, this is the Messiah. We found him. And when he came and met Christ for the first time, Jesus changed his name. Changed his name from Simon to Peter. He called him to discipleship. And if you were uh, with us in Luke chapter 4, you remember that Jesus went to Simon Peter's house. He went and healed his mother-in-law. His mother-in-law had a fever and Jesus rebuked that fever and healed him. So Jesus has been called by the Lord. He has seen the Lord work. He has uh, heard him preach over and over again. He has seen miracles. I mean, he saw a miracle done in his own house. House. But something in Peter, understand, he, he might be thinking, yes, I, I know this is the Messiah. Yes, I, I'm glad to be with him. I'm glad to hear him. I'm glad to experience all that he's done. But I got to go back to fishing. I mean, that's my job. That's what I do. And so what you see him here cleaning his nets and, and, and getting ready to set up for the next night. And Jesus is teaching this is not the first time that he'd ever encountered Christ. And yet Christ says, you know, the people are pressing in and and they're pushing back and it's hard to hear. We were on the beach this week and it's hard to hear when somebody's sitting there trying to talk to you from the water. So Jesus comes and he says, you know what? I want to use your boat. I want to use your boat as a pulpit. I want to use your boat as 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 a place to preach from. And Simon has to stop cleaning his nets. He has to get out there in the boat with Jesus, push out a little from the shore, and let Jesus continue to preach. Now, if I'm Simon, I'm just putting myself in his position. You know, he is tired. I had to stay up all night a couple of times this week, and I'm getting way too old for that. And so it's just, it makes you ill, it makes you tired, it makes you short-tempered. It's just not good, especially for me. I'm just a big old baby when it comes to that. So I can imagine Peter sitting here, uh, sitting in the boat, like listening to Jesus, and, and he's thinking... Man, I sure wish I could hurry up and finish my cleaning my nets so I get home. I got, I'm going to have to be out tomorrow night fishing again. I, I wonder if this is going to take long. You know, I wonder if it's going to take long for Jesus to finish. You know, he's sitting there and he's listening and Jesus is teaching and preaching. And, and, and he's like, you know, I can't really tell him. No, he just healed my mother-in-law. I mean, he just, he just did a miracle in my house. I kind of owe the guy. And so I, I probably need to let him, let him do what he's going to do. But, you know... I hope he doesn't take too long. I'm tired. Some of y'all might be thinking that same thing this morning. I hope he don't take too long. I sure am tired. I want to go home and go to bed. Well, he's sitting there and he's doing his thing and Jesus is preaching and he's teaching and he's, you know, doing his thing. And when he gets done, he looks down at Peter in this boat with him and he tells him something crazy. And you already know, you already know what it is. I wish I could surprise you, but you've already read this before. It says, now when he had left speaking, when he was finished preaching to the crowd, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets 
for a drought, for a catch. And Simon Peter answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. And then he adds, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now, it's almost like Peter is making sure that you hear his objection. I mean, he's going to do it. He's going to do it really I mean, how could you not? The guy just healed your mother-in-law. I mean, he is the preacher. He is the rabbi. He is the teacher. He is the Messiah. You know, we, we, you probably got to do it. But he's going to make sure his objection is heard. For Peter, this is a really bad idea. I mean, it's, it's really dumb, to be honest. We've been out. First of all, he wants me to go out in the wrong place. And he wants me to fish in the deep. Those nets weren't, they wouldn't go all the way. You know, you got a rope that you got to pull on. They're not, they're not meant to go all the way down to the bottom of the lake, bottom of the sea. And so you go out into the deep, that's just the wrong place to fish. And that's where the fish go during the day. So, uh, I mean, that's why they fish at night. You know, you want me to go out to the wrong place. You want me to go out to the wrong time. In the wrong time, we just got done and there's nothing out there. We caught nothing. Basically, he was telling them, look, I'm tired. I'm tired and there's no fish out there. We have toiled all night long, not to mention the fact that we've already been cleaning and washing the nets. We've already got them hanging up ready for the next night. If we go back out there and throw out these nets again, you know what's going to have to happen? We're probably going to come back with nothing to show for it. And then we're going to have to start over and clean the nets again and wash the nets again and hang the nets up again. And then I'm only going to get man two or three hours of sleep before I have to come back out here and fish again, hopefully to catch something, but probably catch nothing. So he's like, Jesus, you need to understand, uh, you're the spiritual guy. You're the, you're the teacher of Israel. You're the Messiah. Tell me about God. Tell me about spiritual things. Tell me about what I need. But you don't know jack about fishing. I'm the fisherman. I've been fishing all my life. I know where the fish are. I know what time I'm supposed to be out there when I'm fishing. You, you need to leave the fishing to me. You need to leave the occupation to me. I'm the expert. You're the carpenter. You're the spiritual guy. You're the preacher man. You tell me how to find God and tell me, you know, God's plan for my life. And you tell me all those things and I got it, you know. But really, you... You don't need to be telling me how I'm supposed to be fishing because I understand that. I've been doing it my whole life. My whole family has been fishing my whole life. He tells him, he says, you go out, launch out into the deep, launch out into the deep and let down your nets uh, for a catch. Notice what he says. He says, master, he calls him master. It's respect. He said, master, we've told all night. But he says, you know what? Nevertheless, even though we've told all night and we've taken nothing even though he's basically telling them, giving them a hint that there's nothing out there and we're tired. He says, because you said so, because you said so, because you, your word, you at your word, he said, I, I'm going to let down the net. Did you notice that? I, I didn't notice that till last night. But when Jesus told him he, in verse four, he said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets, plural. He said, go back out there with both your boats and let down all your nets and y'all go fishing again. And when Peter answered, he says, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at that word, I will let down 
the net, singular. I, I'll take one out there. I'm not going to mess up all the other nets because there's nothing out there. And just, just to humor you, just to accommodate you, you know, you've been good to me. You healed my mother-in-law. We're going to go out there and I'll, I'll throw a net out there just, just to please you, just so I can say, you know, I, I, I did what he asked me to do. And of course, you know, you know what happens. In verse 6, it says, And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fish, and it, their net, singular, break. So what they have to do is, and they beckoned to their partners, which were the other ship, that they should come help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. One net wasn't good enough, was it? Jesus kind of knew what he was talking about when he said, go out into the deep and let your net down and, and get ready to catch all these fish. He has authority over the spiritual world and the physical world. We saw that last time. But you and I need to understand he's got authority over your fish. He's got authority over your fishing. He's got authority over your business. He's got authority over your marriage, your job. He jumped right into the middle of Peter's area of expertise. And he said, I have authority over this. And Peter kind of, you know, he, he went ahead and it, it's almost like he didn't want to go. But because it was Jesus, he needed to go on ahead. And he realized at the time that this happened, Jesus has command over everything in my life. He's got command over every circumstance of my life. He can actually command the fish to swim into my net in such a way that it was the greatest catch that they probably have ever seen. They not only filled up all the nets that they had, but they filled up both boats so the boats were sinking. I mean, the boats were out there loaded with fish, so much fish that they were actually sinking. Can you get that picture in your mind of these guys scrambling around trying to keep their boats afloat until they got to the shore with these big piles of fish lined up on the boats and Jesus probably just standing at the head of the boat smiling and Peter's working and you know it takes a lot of work to get all that done and all this is going on Jesus has authority and in Peter's mind he realizes Peter probably not the expert you thought you were Probably not have it all going on like you thought you did. You probably could learn a thing or two about the way Jesus says this must be done. Now, in our position, in our places of business, in our schools, in our work, in our family, in our job, don't we have just as many excuses as Peter does? We say, you know, if I do my business Jesus's way, I'll lose all kind of money. I'll never make it. It'll shut down. If I treat my spouse, if I, if I agree with Jesus about, about the way marriage should be and about the way family should be, I'll never be happy. And we have the same excuses. If I, if I go and I share Christ with my buds that I go to the river with, they'll never invite me back to go. You know, it'll be one circumstance after another. I'll have all kinds of problems. It'll never work. You just don't understand my situation. You don't understand what I have to do, what I have to go through. Understand those are the same things going through Peter's mind. He said, you don't understand what it means to be a fisherman. But Jesus is, has authority over the fishermen. He has authority over your job. He has authority over your family. He has authority over all. And the excuses that we come up with are really not just so we can save, uh, you know, our jobs or our families or our whatever. Really, it comes down to are you going to be obedient to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Are you going to submit to his authority knowing that he is working all things for good to those who love him even when it looks so wrong 
wrong. Like, there's no way I can go back out there and fish. There's no way that I can do that. I know I'm going to fail if I do it your way, Christ. But Jesus has authority over that. He can, when it looks like it's never going to work, if you are following his command, if you are following his word, if you are walking in his way, he can command the fish to come out of wherever they're hiding and jump in your net, if so be that it's necessary. He can, he can bring success where it, it just doesn't even look like success is possible. He can call the things that are not into being. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He, he, he is, there was a, a guy, I can't remember who it was a long time ago, but he was talking to a missionary society or whatever, and they were going into this unreached region or whatever, and uh, missionaries had already died there, and they said, you can't send, he said, you can't send me there. If I go there preaching the gospel, I'll die. And he leaned into the microphone, he said, then die. And so we say, he's saying, if you, you follow Christ in whatever area is going on in your life, in every area, he is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Now, now that you understand that, let me check the time, make sure I ain't going over. Now that you understand that, I need to tell you that understanding that is not enough. Understanding that he is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, is not enough. His authority demands your response. His authority demands now that you do something. His authority isn't just for you to look at and marvel and say, wow, he is King of Kings. Let me go back to doing what I was doing. Isn't that what Peter did? Peter met Jesus. And this is the Messiah. And the Messiah renamed Peter. He renamed Simon Peter. And then, you know, what did Peter do? He, you know, he went about his business. Jesus came to his house, healed his mother-in-law. And then the next day, where you find him? Back to fishing. Back to fishing again. Back to the grind. Back to the normal routine. Back to the normal things. His authority is not something for you just to accept and say, wow, that's true and yay. His authority demands that you respond. Look how Peter responds. Of course, you already know it, I'm sure. Verse 7 or verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the drought of fishes that they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were the partners of Simon. They were all astonished. But only Peter, only Peter responded with repentance. Now, if I would have, if, if, if. All the Bibles didn't have these verses in them and we cut it off right here and this was the end of the story. And I said, guess what Peter did? You'd probably think he's out there with the big pile of fish taking selfies, you know, taking selfies. Look at, look at the fish. You know, look, we got the best catch ever. We got the best. I mean, we're set. We're set for, look at all the fish. We're going to go to the market. We're going to sell all these and we're not going to have any more problems. We, you know, my wife's going to be taken care of. My house is going to be taken care of. Look at, we got more fish than these two boats can hold. And that's, you know, these boats could have been up to 60, 70 foot long. We don't know for sure. But I mean, these were a lot of fish, more fish than they'd ever caught before. More fish than they probably ever seen at one time before. They're set. They are set. They can go sell all this money, 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 money. Got all that they could possibly want. What does Peter do in the midst of this? I, I, I just get this 
picture in my mind of the fish piled up on the boat and the fishermen are yelling, pull that line, get it, we're sinking, get the water out of there. You know, they're doing all. And in the midst of the sinking boats and the crowd standing on the shore, look, look at what's going on. Look at all those fish and all this excitement, all of this stuff going on, all of this working to try to get everything stabilized so they can bring this fish to the shore. Peter doesn't see any of it. He, in the midst of all this, even as the boat is sinking, they're trying to keep the boat afloat. Peter drops down to his knees at Jesus' feet and says, Lord, you have to depart from me. I'm sinful. Did you notice the change? When, at, the, at the beginning, when, when he said, put out into the deep and, and lower down your nets, he said, Master, we, we, uh, we've been doing that all night, but I mean, I guess I'll do it if you want me to. Now he says, Lord. Now he says, Lord, you got to get away from me. Why? Because I'm, I'm sinful. See, he came face to face with, with holiness here. This wasn't, the same, this wasn't the same thing as him meeting Jesus before and this is the Messiah. Well, hey, I'm going to change your name to Simon. Well, thank you. I guess my name, well, I'm going to change your name to Peter. Okay, well, good. I'll be Peter from now on. Uh, I'll catch you later. I'm going fishing. This wasn't the same. This was a different thing here because he understood now that Jesus is king of kings. This is God. This is the Son of God standing in my boat. This is the Son of God standing right here with authority over the physical world, over the spiritual world, over my world, over my person. He came face to face with holiness. And when you come face to face with holy God, there's only one thing that you can do. It's the same thing Job did. It's the same thing Isaiah did. He fell to his knees and says, The wrath of God is all that I'm due. Job, in the whole book of Job, spent the entire book saying, God, where are you? You need to come down here and decide my case. And when he finally saw God, he said, all I can do is put my hand over my mouth. I'm not going to speak again. Isaiah, when he saw God, when he saw God high and lifted up, train filled the temple, what did he do? He said, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. When you come face to face with God, what happens is you see more and more of his holiness. And when you see more and more of his holiness, it makes you seem, it makes you see more and more of your sin, more and more of your wretchedness. And so Peter sees, notice he didn't say, Lord, get away from me because I have committed a sin. He said, I am sinful. I am a sinful Man, you've got to get away from me because there's nothing but wrath and punishment that could come my way. You, you can't call me. You can't be in my presence. You can't, you can't do miracles around me. You can't do any of these things because I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of it. And in fact, I'm terrified of it because if you understand the reality of my sin, the reality of my heart, what I am on the inside, there's nothing but judgment and punishment and wrath that can be, that can be possible for me. Please, you've got to get away from me. But Jesus answered him the way that Jesus always answers the sinner who comes in repentance and faith, humbling himself, saying, God, I'm unworthy. He says, Peter, in verse 10, second part of verse 10, he said unto Simon, fear not, don't be afraid. Isn't that something? So many times we, we, we want to act like Adam. Remember what Adam did when he sinned? Instead of running to God in repentance, 
He ran away from God and he went and hid himself in the bushes somewhere. He went and tried to cover his sin. He went to try to cover his nakedness and he went and hid as if God wouldn't find him, as if God didn't know what was going on. Rather than running to him, he ran away. He tells Peter, Peter, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, from henceforth, thou shalt catch men. I'm going, listen, this is amazing to me. Jesus says, yeah, you are a sinner. Yeah, you are unclean. But don't be afraid. That's the reason I'm here. That's the reason I have come. And I'm going to use your sinful self. I'm going to use your wretched, depraved heart. I'm going to change you and I'm going to put you on my team and I'm going to make you an ambassador for me. I'm going to take this wretched sinner who knows good and well that he's not worthy, who knows good and well that he'll never amount to anything, knows good and well that he can't do anything on his own, and I'm going to use you to catch men for the kingdom. I'm going to use you to proclaim the name of God. I'm going to use you to be my ambassador to the world. From this point on, you're not going to be catching fish to go and kill them in the market. You're going to be catching men away from death and bringing them to life for me. He said, I'm going to use you. Now, Peter, Peter is broken. And this is the right place. It's, it's, it's not a fun place to be. It's not an easy place to be, but it's the right place to be both for the sinner who's lost and needs salvation and for the disciple that's growing in Christ. You need to understand that. The, the closer you get to Christ, the more that you see God, the more that God reveals himself to you, the more that you grow in God, the more broken you're going to get, the more repentant you're going to get, and the more trusting in Christ for his salvation that you're going to get. You are going to grow in that repentance. You're going to grow in that trust. You're going to grow in that faith over and over and over again. I had a conversation even this week with someone I love dearly. And, you know, there was a very, very good message preached at, one, at the camp. And afterward, this person was, was upset and everything. And we had to have a conversation about the fact that, you know, every time that we start getting comfortable, every time we start going about our own stuff and doing our own thing, God is going to come to you if he loves you. I mean, if, he, if you are loved by him, it says, everyone I love, I chastise. And so he, if, he, if you are his child, he's going to come to you and you're going to hit another wall. You're going to hit another crisis point. You're going to hit another point of conviction. God's going to reveal sin in your life. He's going to reveal who you are and you're going to have to grow in your repentance. You're going to have to grow in your faith in Christ. And so Peter is in the right place. He is in the right place to be used of God. He's in the right place to grow closer to Christ. He is not running from Christ. Jesus tells him, don't be afraid to come to me in your brokenness. Don't be afraid to come to me and bring me your junk. Who knows what was lurking in the heart of Peter? The sin that was going on in Peter's life. He didn't say, I have committed some very bad sins. He said, I am a sinful man. Who knows what was going on? Christ knows. And he says, don't be afraid to come to me. All who come to me, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you. He, it tells Peter, you come to me. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, I'm going to, I'm going to use you. And this is not just for Peter. 
Everyone he calls, he says to you, from now on, you're going to be catching men. This is a, this is a, a call to all disciples. From henceforth, thou will be catching men. In Acts chapter 1-8, I'm going to give you power to be a witness when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You are going to be bringing men into the kingdom. Understand, there's only one of two ways that you can live your life. There's only one of two ways that you can live your life. You can either live your life bringing glory to God's kingdom by bringing people into his kingdom. People see you and they, you know, they are enticed by this kingdom or you can live your life pushing people away from the kingdom. If that's the way Jesus is, if, that, if Jesus is uh, indicative of the way that person acts, pff, I don't want anything to do with him. I don't want anything to do with him. You can, you can bring people uh, into the kingdom of God by demonstrating the gospel in your life. You are going to catch Men, you are going to serve and witness and, and, and be a witness as you live your life. I'm not just talking about going out and standing on a soapbox out in the middle of the corner of the street and, and yelling to the people that walk by. If that's your thing, more power to you. That's a good thing. I'm talking about when you go to work. I'm talking about when you go to school in your family. You are going to be catching men. You are going to be leading people to Christ even if you don't say uh, a word. By your actions, by your life in following Jesus, you are going to be leading people to Christ. It's inevitable. That's what Christ does. This is almost like we, we want to do just like Peter and say, you know, I'm going to go. We're planning to go on this. You know, I've taken kids out witnessing in the streets before. We're planning. Okay, we're going out in the streets and this is the time when we're going to go witness. This is the time when we're going to go do that thing. And then on a Friday night on the way to the movies, I'm standing in line waiting for the movies. And I'm like, well, I might want to tell. Well, this ain't the time for that. We're not planning on. We're just going to see a movie. We're like Peter, like this ain't the right time, Jesus. This is not the right time to be catching men. That's what Peter said. It's not the right time to be catching fish. And it sure ain't the right place to be catching fish. We'll, we'll say, Christ, I, I'm going to do your will, but I'm only going to do it in this compartment. I'm only going to do it in this sphere of my life. You know, when I go to work, when I go to school, when I go to have our fun time, that's not the time to be catching men. That's not the time to be witnessing for Christ. We do just like Peter. We've been told all night and there ain't nothing out there and there's no reason for us to do it out there. So you just let me keep it in this spiritual, uh, in this spiritual compartment. When we plan on going out witnessing, that's when I'll go be a witness. When we plan on going and doing, you know, we plan on uh, somebody's in the hospital and I need to go witness to them. I need to go share my faith with them. We plan on doing those things. Yeah, that's when we're going to do it because we've planned it out. That's our little area. That's our bubble where we do all of our religious stuff. But when it comes to work or buddies or family or marriage or any of those things, you know, you need to leave those things out of it because that's not the right time. We need to plan this thing out. When the reality is you're called to catch men and be a witness in your marriage, in your family, in your school, in your job, in every area of your life, Jesus is going to be Lord. Don't we act just like Peter? We act just like Peter. And then at the last verse in, in verse 11, <clears throat> the last thing we'll look at, and it's time to go anyway. It says, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. I've read that verse a million times, and I know you have as well. 
it never occurred to me that they left all the fish. You know, I, I always knew, you know, you know the, they left their boats and the sons of Zebedee left their dad. They left their, you know, family ties and all that to go follow. They had just caught the biggest cache of fish that they had ever seen. I'm talking about we are made in the shade. We got it made. We're set. We are set. We'll go sell all these fish and we're going to take a couple of weeks off and go drink some of them drinks with the umbrella in it. You know, we're going to go we're going to go relax and, and, and enjoy some of this. They left the boats. They left the nets. They left the family business and they left two big old honking piles of fish on the shore to follow Jesus. They left it all. They said, you know, okay, Jesus, they didn't say, we're going to follow you in our spiritual life. We're going to follow you in our religious stuff. Uh, wait, wait right here and let me go sell all these fish and get all that money in my pocket and then I'm coming to follow you. No, Jesus was Lord over every area of their life. Now, the fish aren't important. The money's not important. How I'm going to make it if I obey Christ, that's not important. How, how are we going to live if we leave all of this stuff behind? How am I going to explain to my family if I leave the family business, if I leave my dad right here on the shore with a net in his hand? How am I going to explain all that? How am I going to live with myself when it comes to obedience to Christ? They became, in this moment right here, they became disciples. They became followers of Christ. They left it all. They left the fish they left the boats, they left the nets, they left everything and became followers of Christ. I'm going to trust in Christ. Most Christians today are like Peter before this happened. We're like Peter when we've met Jesus. Peter met Jesus in John chapter 1. He understood he was the Messiah. He saw Jesus do lots of wonderful works. I've had people say, well, you, you just don't know what I've seen God do. Well, that's great. Do you follow him? Uh, we, he met him, he heard him teach over and over again, he heard him preach, he saw him heal his mother-in-law, all of those things. But when it came time, it's time to go back to fishing. It's time to go back, it's time to, go back to real life, man. I, I understand you got all that spiritual thing going on. I understand that, you know, and it's good and I like it. Teach me all about God. Teach me all about spiritual things. But work is work. Family is family. You know, this area of my life, you know, that stuff doesn't apply over here. This area of my life over here, I mean, that's not going to help me. You know, if I do what Jesus commands me to do, I'll lose everything. I'll never be happy. I'll never have whatever, whatever it is that you're searching for. And it can't, when Peter finally understood that Jesus has authority over this area of your life, over that area of your life. He has authority over every aspect of your life. And the only question now is, are you going to submit yourself to that authority? Are you going to... He, he's already king of kings. So he's king of kings and lord of lords. Whether you like it or not, you don't get a say in that. The only question is, are you going to bow the knee to this king here in this life? In humble obedience? Or are you going to be forced to bow the knee to this king on the day of judgment. And so what we see here is that the disciple, the disciple, and listen, this doesn't mean you're perfect because if you know your, if you know your Bible, 
You know what's going to happen when Peter, after Jesus dies and they're all distraught, what does Peter do? I'm going back to fishing, you know? And that's when Jesus comes out and says, hey, have y'all caught any fish? And they do all, they do all this again just to show Peter, I have authority. I have all authority over your life. A disciple follows Christ. You come today, it's great that you're here and that you're, you know, I believe in, in this Jesus and I believe that he died on the cross and I believe he's the king of kings. But that authority that he has that you believe in demands that you respond. You respond. And the way that we respond, the way that he's calling you to respond, I don't care if you're lost, saved, or indifferent today, the way he's calling you to respond is in repentance, in faith, and forsaking all, following him. He doesn't call everybody to quit their job and go to Africa. He doesn't call everybody to every, every deal. What he's saying is when you go to your job, you follow me. When you go to your school, you follow me. Whatever area of life that you're in, I'm Lord over that area. Whatever place that you're in, whatever situation you find yourself in with your family, your friends, your whatever, I'm Lord over that. You follow me there. You follow me with your friends. You follow me with your finances. You follow me with your job. You follow me in your marriage. You follow me with your family. You follow me wherever I lead in whatever circumstances I lead you in. That is The definition of a disciple. Peter said at the beginning, he was like, I don't know, Jesus. I don't know. You really don't. I'm the fisherman. You probably need to stick to your area. At the end, Peter said, forget all this. I'm following you. So the question today is, you need to repent of your sin. You need to trust in Christ. If you've never trusted in Christ, if you've never been born again, you need to be saved today. You may not get another shot at it. He's calling you to be a disciple, not just an observer, not just a guy on the crowd. Last thing, and then we'll go, the people on the crowd saw all this. They saw the whole deal. They saw the fish getting caught. They saw this guy kneel down in the boat. They saw them struggling to get to the shore. I want to think the people grabbed the fish when they, all the guys left. I mean, they saw the whole deal. But it was only Peter and James and John who said, you know what? Forget all this. We're going to follow Jesus. He's calling you to follow him. Whatever that means in your life, you follow him. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you.